This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Hey there, Chroniclers. I just wanted to take a moment to personally thank each and every one of you for listening to this podcast and for being so supportive of the show. It is April of 2021, which means that this podcast is turning one year old at the end of this month. And to celebrate, I have a few gifts to share with you. Firstly, you can grab some merch from the Alexandrian Media store for 30% off everything in the store. To access that discount, use the code BIRTHDAY30, all caps and the numerals 30, BIRTHDAY30, at checkout at teespring.com slash stores slash Alexandrian Media. You can also go to the store by clicking on the link in the show notes. This 30% off discount will end at midnight on April 30th, so don't miss out. And secondly, I'm running a special offer on my Patreon page. New and upgrading members of the Patreon between now and April 30th at 11 o'clock p.m., will receive a personalized thank you video from me when you sign up or upgrade to any level of the Patreon. Members get some pretty cool stuff, such as early access to ad-free versions of every episode, the bonus podcast on scripted, content schedules, merch discounts, uncut versions of the interview episode videos, and several other bonuses. Memberships to my Patreon are an incredible way to support the show, and if you enjoy what I do, I ask that you consider becoming a member so that I can continue making this podcast with increasing quality. Sign up at patreon.com slash thecomposerchronicles, or click on the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. Now, on with the show. This week on The Composer Chronicles, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Brooks Leiby, His background as a violist has given him the push he needed to pursue a career in film score writing, using that skill to produce micro-budget film scores with musician friends and garage band. Although he currently dual-wields the position of cinematographer and composer, it is his affinity for music that keeps him closer to the side of composition. Brooks's film Legacy Prologue is an award-winning film with the Orlando Independent Filmmakers, which is his first film to have received an award. Stick around until the end of the episode to hear a selection of pieces by Brooks, including two wrongs from the film Meyer, the unused track The Fallen Jedi from the Star Wars fan film Trial of the Fallen Jedi, the credit suites from Alia, and a mix from his film score for the short film Entrance. In the episode, you'll hear a clip from his entry for the rescore of the short film Spring. This is The Composer Chronicles, a podcast that recounts the stories of composers past and present through the music they write. I'm Stephen Trigar, and this is episode number 48, Brooks Leiby.
Hello, Brooks. How are you doing today? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. <laughs> it's a usual Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's a gorgeous day out. It's a little cold here in northeastern Pennsylvania. I think when I went out on my walk this morning, it was about 35 degrees. And uh, I had to put my... my Not that cold here. Uh, <laughs> I had to put my winter mm-hmm. coat on for that walk. It's, it's also a bit breezy, but lucky you. <laughs> Yeah, you're in Conway, South Carolina. It's in the 60s, mid 60s. Nice, nice, nice. But it is, it is windy. <laughs> so if you don't get a jacket on, you're going to get cut by that wind. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with uh, tell us about your journey to becoming the composer you are today. All right. So it all started when I was born. And as a kid seeing, you know, movies like, uh, I was, my dad introduced me to so many like sci-fi movies. Uh, the one that hit hardest was Jurassic park. And that's still a stinger with me today. I have so many just random things that are <laughs> nice <laughs> Jurassic park related. And I carry that thing around with me all, Oh my God. Even the coffee mug. I'm not even joking. Wow. It's Mr. DNA. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that wasn't planned at all. And, uh, just every single facet of that film, including the music, really set a lot of uh, planted a lot of seeds into what I would want to go like go into job wise or uh, for just ex- exploration. And uh, over time, I started getting into like uh, independent film projects with friends, uh, making friends with similar interests. Uh, th- through high school, I had a mentor. Her name was Leslie Etherson. She was part of the audiovisual, or she was like the audiovisual person of that school. And she kind of focused me into that direction where I was like, man, cinematography is pretty sick. <laughs> uh, you get to pretty much just paint this movie and make it look how it looks. You get this descriptor from a director and then you get to visualize it to the best of your ability. That's so awesome. And Jurassic Park was one of those things where I realized, wow, like people work on these movies, like these dinosaurs that weren't there. Someone sat at a computer and had to figure out how to do that mm-hmm. before then it was stop motion. Yeah. And even Dean Cundy's really simple work behind the camera on that over time, I became to really appreciate it. And nowadays there's so many um, flexes and cinematography, you know, I still, I'm really obsessed with that stuff. I mean, you can see the camera I'm, I'm working with right now. I've, this is something that I built up to as I'm, you know, just trying to develop, catch up with technology and, you know, still also try to impress while making really short, low budget things. Mm-hmm. And Leslie Etherson, just to wrap back to that, she is pretty much the reason why I'm, why, why I push towards that. Cause she really helped me focus on why I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. In that same school, I was in orchestra, and that's uh, started my musical journey in middle school uh, with Robert Kirkman's orchestra. He did this little presentation for uh, the intermediate school before the kids go over, and uh, I was really just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> that was the first time I ever seen a live orchestra. You know, it's all students. I was like maybe eight, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is really cool! It's awesome!" <laughs> I was like, what do I, I want to play something, but I don't know what. Um, 
but then just talking to uh, to, to Robert the very first time, he was like, well, if you're not really sure, then maybe start with viola and then see where that goes. <laughs> and uh, that was the instrument just throughout middle school, high school, and even a little bit the early state of um, undergrad. Just I violated it up. I love that instrument. <laughs> I think it's really underappreciated. And uh, yes, it is. <laughs> it's it has it's just it, it resonates with me because I don't know. It's it feels like it's a really like the sound of it's really easy to connect to, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it, it's, it's range is so human like, you yeah. know, it's nothing to where it, it exceeds a certain range. It's, it's a really comfortable, the yeah. alto clef is just a really comfortable range of sound. Yeah. Um, then through on to, to high school, the people that really helped guide me, in, in that just to figure out what the heck I was <laughs> in for was uh, uh, Charles Allen, who actually passed away two years ago or no, man, this was, he passed away during high school. That was not two years ago. That was man, 2013 or 14. Mm. He passed away and it was actually on April fools. So his anniversary was just the other day, Wow, which is, Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was awesome. Everyone loved him. Um, and his passing actually ended up bringing like the orchestra and band together. Cause otherwise you have that young rivalry where everyone's like, ah, oh, flutes, ah, oh, violins, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> that existed. I don't know. Yeah. Why, I don't either because yeah, I don't either because it's like, eventually if you're going to be in a professional orchestra, you have to be together. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess none of us really realized that because mm -hmm. at, at that orchestra, it was like marching band and jazz band. And mm -hmm. then we did have a few times where we came in, we came together and, and were a symphonic thing. Mm -hmm. um, like a playing uh, Apollo 13 and a few other big orchestral scores like, like that, which also really pushed me into like, Hmm, film scores. <laughs> <laughs> These hit different. Uh, and after, after, Charles Allen, it, there was Van Clark who came in temporarily, or no, it was Ashley Purcell. There were three people in high, throughout high school. I had a lot of instruction, <laughs> um, which wasn't supposed to be the case, but you know, things happen. Yeah. Ashley Purcell, who is a, I think she's a trumpet player and a cellist and she works, she plays with a long bass symphony year and down. And uh, she came in temporarily until they found someone for uh, full time. Mm. Uh, after about six months, Van Clark then came in and took over, uh, who I think he had mainly band experience, marching, jazz, uh, but he also was was familiar with the orchestral seating and uh, you know just really just pretty much just how to conduct. That's pretty much all he needed, and he had us. <laughs> um, and he was great too. Uh, he, he he was. It was interesting because it went from. Uh, Alan, who was, who was really strict. He was kind of like, uh, have you seen the film whiplash? He was kind of like the JK uh, Simmons yes. <laughs> type where you really, really like the guy, but <laughs> if you play the wrong note, you're going to be there for a minute mm -hmm. <laughs> until you get it right. <laughs> um, and then Ashley Purcell was a lot more vanilla. She had a little bit more attitude personality wise, but she was a lot more easy to to please, I guess, in terms of playing. 
and then Van Clark kind of came back to that more strict. You better get that note right. You can't play your scales. What's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing too, but uh, yeah, so it was an interesting curve of uh, being guided. But yeah, I mean, both all all four of those people, um, Etherson, Allen, Purcell, and Clark, they really. They did. They showed. They showed me like, yeah, this is definitely what I'm. I want to do in some capacity. I love music, and I absolutely love film in almost every single way. And uh, then college came around. Yeah, it's <laughs> like film school. <laughs> let's go. But some film schools don't have a lot of scholarships. They're really yeah. they're tough in that regard. So after not being able to find, and I was accepted into almost every film school that I applied to, I was like, this is so cool. But at the same time, like the scholarships, money, you need to be able to <laughs> pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there's a local school here that I live right next to practically right now, uh, Coastal Carolina University. I did a tour of that and it was a beautiful campus. It's a smaller campus than the other ones that I've seen. And uh, I really liked that. Uh, it seemed like everyone there, it seemed like everyone kind of just knew each other, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Like a small town. It's like, uh, if there's gossip on the other end of the campus, it'll be heard <laughs> like the bu- business building. It'll be heard in the arts building. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that kind of deal. Yeah. And, uh, getting there, I started in, 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 in the film practice where I really wanted to just just further that because you know getting out of getting out of high school i was like man no more orchestra oh well (laughs) (laughs) i'll just go on to this thing and uh doing that found a lot of people that i was like man this is this is great i didn't i didn't need film school at all because there were little corners of this humanities building where man we're really trying to up our up, up our video game and no one here is interested in that. <laughs> and then there's a grapevine, you know, where someone's like, hey, there's this kid in my class who <laughs> made this little short film with aliens. And I was like, oh, there. <laughs> so basically just got funneled along through these departments. <laughs> and then I landed on Michael DiGiorgio Jr., who was my uh, my boss for quite a few semesters. Wow. Um, I got a work study position at his digital studio. And meanwhile, he was trying to get his master's. Hmm. I forget at what school, but he was developing a master's in uh, film and television and needed to get through his classes, make some short films, some things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it was because not only does he get help with his projects for his masters, but then also, you know, I, I pretty much have an internship here. That's practically working like a film studio. Mm-hmm. You get, to, I get, I got to do pretty much every little thing that you can imagine was done on a film set, but just really small. Yeah. You know, the microbial version of everything. <laughs> and one of those things was film scoring. There was a lot of things or a lot of projects that required music in the end and for the longest time we used just sort of like royalty free tracks and then a realization just smacked me in the back of the head and was like 
you were in orchestra for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you using royalty-free tracks when you could just make things yourself? Right. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's – why didn't I think of that sooner? Thanks, conscience. Now I feel bad. <laughs> and that's that's kind of where, where that started. And that was maybe like the end of the second half of sophomore year, which was 2016. Hmm. Yeah. And basically from then to now, just working on multiple different projects, still bouncing between departments. You know, either I'm on behind the camera on one thing or <laughs> behind the keyboard and contact on the other. It's yeah. So it's, it's really just flowered and I'm really start. I, it's another one of those things where I'm rethinking what the heck I'm supposed to be doing in life. And yeah, the more I go, the more I'm like, man, not only is like film scoring one of the, like, I don't have as many problems with. Yeah in terms of just like hitting roadblocks. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of writer's block. I tend to get fatigued with filming things, mm -hmm. but not with music. Yeah. It rarely happens. That's if, good. Which, <laughs> I mean, it happened recently. We, I mean, we talked about that, that, that spring short film rescore. Yeah. For, uh, what was that company called? blanking on that but it was for a uh pretty much a charity and uh before then that i that was probably the first major writer's block i got for writing music and it was for maybe a maybe a good month and a half <laughs> <laughs> where i was just like there's nothing in my head musically yeah but then that came around and i'm glad it did because i think that really jump-started that engine. <laughs> That was a great project. I remember uh, you sending it to me and having me listen to it before you submitted it. And it's a, it was a great, great piece. So congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I missed the deadline, but I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was one of my more uh, vibrant mm -hmm. uh, works, which, you know, usually I'm in very, very dark textural places when it comes to music. So I was like, man, <laughs> I get to, be John Powell for, for a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's make this, let's make this pretty. Yeah. And it's a very pretty animation too. It's very colorful, very bright. The full short film is so beautiful. The whole, I think the whole thing is almost eight minutes long. Wow. Um, the clip they provided was only just over a minute, I think. Um, yeah. So there's a lot more and the original score for it was amazing. It's, 
it's like a Nordic Celtic mesh. It, it's like, you can't really tell where the music's from, but mm. the way the composer's name is just right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I can't think of it, but man. Yeah. Big fan of the original score on that. <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't heard the original score on that. I I've heard many, many, many composers, uh, rescorings of that project. And, uh, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are, uh, sound very similar. I think just because a lot of people got this, it, it is a very, uh, it's a beat by beat kind of thing where yeah, you can pretty much exactly tell where composers are going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there, there are a lot of people that I saw that, <laughs> that did that rescoring. It was big. Yeah. Like, I think that was probably their biggest thing. Uh, QTube, the QTube. That's what they, that's what the company okay. called. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but they have a whole catalog of uh, rescoring clips that people can make an account in and go into their library, download the clip, and then wow, do their thing, and then put it up with their hashtag and all that, and they'll promote it and yeah, get your name out there further, which is yeah. cool. It's a really cool company. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I, I, you talked about doing a little bit more darker stuff and. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because recently I asked you if you'd be interested in doing a project for uh, a friend of mine and uh, fellow podcaster, uh, Dustin Holden with uh, Dustin Can Read. And he's working on a project. I don't know how much of that project that we can talk about yet, but uh, you recently started doing film scoring for that. And uh and that's been really dark. <laughs> so <laughs> has it felt like you've been sitting right at home in that project? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's so much fun. Uh, I mean, talking, talking to Dustin, he has a really cool, unique vision for it. And I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, pitch the, the show for him, but mm -hmm. it's pretty much showcasing the, the fear street novels by RL Stein. Yeah. yeah. Um, these new characters are talking about uh, certain murders or something that happened narratively throughout the books and you know treat it like the real deal mm -hmm. and he wanted a sound that was evil dark <laughs> but also <laughs> playful and you know you come up come upon this idea and it seems safe but then you know you can die <laughs> <laughs> <Cool. laughs> yeah just like that was pretty much the vibe from it. And uh, yeah, talking to him was, was a blast because he had a ton of musical ideas. He had, he pretty much did all of his music beforehand from what I understand. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm not a composer, but I fiddle around with this app and get these certain sounds and it worked. <laughs> and I had listened to thing before, but he was really excited about it. I was like, you know yeah. what? This is awesome. You have a ton of all these musical ideas that I can easily understand because mm -hmm. you've done this stuff before. Yeah. His, his podcast has a lot of his own kind of musical ditties that he does. And uh, he sings yeah. his own theme music and it's great. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cool. But yeah, this, yeah, this, the sound is, it, it's a unique sound that I haven't really played with before, which is that, mm -hmm. like that playful side of horror. Um, yeah. So really tuning into like Goldsmith with um, Gremlins and uh, uh, I guess for for a broader, more like easier thing to pin, Child's Play. Like that was mm -hmm. a really easy thing to to tap into. <laughs> yeah. 
So people who are going to be listening to the full episode are going to get a chance to hear several of your pieces. Uh, what are the pieces that those people are going to hear? So I believe I threw at you a few actually from the, from the underground, I said underground, from the undergrad portion of, of the journey, the old journey. Uh, <laughs> one was from a, like, pretty much a 48 hour like film festival kind of thing. Okay. Uh, where I think it was, it was, it was the AT&T create-a-thon. And this is the first time that I ever was in California. We drove cross country. There's a whole story with this thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> we drove from Conway, South Carolina, pretty much Myrtle Beach, to mm-hmm. Burbank, California. Wow. And boy, oh boy, that was a, that was, a, that was fun. I would do that again <laughs> in a heartbeat. Though, you know, the college paid for a lot of things. That made it really easy. That made it so easy. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, got to film on like the Warner Brothers lot. It was a lot. Like that that whole trip was just like it's a dream. <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're we're working on this film, and uh, it was basically directly inspired by Reservoir Dogs, the Tarantino film, mm-hmm. uh, where because we would just like the idea of like the film just starts after the heist and everything's going wrong. Um, so we just took that basic idea, did this, and we were like, morality, <laughs> what is right? <laughs> so these two <laughs> complex characters who met each other and did this bank heist, and now they're on the run in the woods. Uh, they both have their reasons, but like they're both kind of crappy reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director, Michael DiGiorgio, he has, he has some friends back where he's from, actually Philadelphia, <laughs> where... Nice. Um, yeah, uh, Michael DiBernardo and Roland Kalen. I think that's their name. Okay, I think that is that that is their names, and <laughs> uh, they are a little bit more like band oriented with uh, in terms of like rock band that sort of thing, electric guitars, uh, okay. rolling pianos, and uh, he was talking to them about scoring it, and because of like you know tight schedules and things like that, they could only send in like improvisations and layers of certain things. This is the, the for the first project where I really was like, let's step up and uh, in the hotel and actually before then, uh, while they were sending in things, uh, my friend Josh, who basically started at the same time as me, he's a cellist, uh, asked him to come into our little studio, into our little sound booth, and just improv on a cello, smack it a little bit, <laughs> just do some. Uh, random melodic lines, do some bar talk, <laughs> pizzicato, you know, just really things that could just sell for like an unsettling textural kind of thing. Yeah. And after about an hour of just playing nonsense, he played a little bit and I played a little bit, pretty much like 30 minutes each. And we got some good stuff and a lot of it made it into the the, the music. <laughs> and I think the track that I gave you for that film called Meyer, um, it's called Two Wrongs. But again, that, that concept of like, what is right? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that showcases a little bit of that. Um, mm. I forget how that track actually goes. because It's been a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I believe there is some smacky cello up in there, up in up with uh, a lot of Roland and uh, DiBernardo's stuff as well. It's it, I think I picked that track because it's a little bit of everything. It kind of embodies what that score is sound-wise and who worked on it. Um, my friend Jose, who I still work with, he did some marimba sustains. Um, 
for that, which sold many a scene. The small, the smallest idea can really go a long way. <laughs> uh, and the next thing from 2019, it's actually part of an unused score that I wrote for uh, a little fan film we put together after we got some more people into the studio and we had like a little team going on. We were like, let's make a star Wars short film. And we did <laughs> it was so much fun. It's called, uh, it was supposed to be set in like the old Republic era. So it was called uh, Knights of the old Republic trial of the fallen Jedi. And it was mm. a blast to like the whole production period was amazing. And nice. I think this score took the longest for me to write. Cause I was just like, this is a star war. <laughs> It's got to be big. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and this score is like, if I'm sure if you've, I'm sure if, if you've heard it already, it could be easily described as a kitchen sink track where everything <laughs> is just thrown in. Um, yeah. I think this track is actually one of the smaller and it just kind of grows as it, go, as it goes on. Um, yeah, The Fallen Jedi. This was one of the last tracks, actually maybe the last track before credits on that short. Um, but most of most of the score was was scrapped, and I think they went with, which I have no problem with at all because it's amazing music, music from the Old Republic games, mm. which I believe was uh, Wilbur Roger the Third. I don't know if that's his exact name. I think that's who scored that one. What, he, he did one of the Old Republic games, so I, I believe it was his. <laughs> specifically and uh i mean a lot of that a lot of that music is perfect uh then the next track from last year is for a short film that i did in orlando I lived there for a year with a nonprofit company uh boots on the ground theater um and they were building up a a feature film idea for uh of, of all these different stories that the director um collected she interviewed all, all, all these real people in, in Ukraine, like the active war zones and, you know, more neutral grounds, but all these different stories about uh, anti-Semitism, uh, the conflicts there and uh, persecution throughout history of, you know, Jews coming from uh, Israel to, to Ukraine and, mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes the struggle going back, et cetera. Like it's a lot. And, Working on that project from proof of concept to to then, uh, a lot of musical ideas were flowing through my head. And it, it was a little bit until I was the composer for the short film. Hmm. For the feature, they started working with a composer out of Atlanta, uh, Evan Hodges, who writes amazingly nuanced music. Hmm. Uh, I actually went with a film festival uh, with him and just talking to him about music and his process. Uh, it's cool. He works out of like a, a storage shed <laughs> that he <laughs> built a studio in. Wow. It's crazy. He has a YouTube channel and you, he has me made a video about it. So anyone who's interested in that, go check out Evan Hodges on YouTube. <laughs> All right. I'll have, to do, go, that cause, <laughs> I'll, I'll have <laughs> to do that because I, I have not seen that. It's yeah, it's wild. Um, and they were working with him beforehand on the, on the features music, uh, you know, drafts and drafts of different movements for, for dance pieces that would be in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause conceptually it was a mix between a documentary 
a art film in the, in the sense that there was interpretive dance or modern dance, um, which required music uh, to, be, to, to be choreographed. There was a dance director, Don Hedrick, um, who loves working with music. So that was a big, big thing with him. He's also a, a musician and a songwriter composer. We composed, we co-composed this score actually. Mm. Uh, that's an important detail that I should not leave out. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Evan really just killed with music. I believe the project is an, is an audio show. I believe it's a podcast now, like an okay. audio drama. Um, and it, I think it is up. I think it is released. It's, it's called Alia which I believe is Hebrew for uh, to ascend. Okay. I could be completely wrong about that, but I was on that project for a while. So I hope I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> I don't know Hebrew, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a beautiful project and I, I haven't checked out the audio drama yet. Um, but if it's the same script that I'm familiar with and with Evan's music, Evan's music, I'm it's, I'm sure it's, it's amazing. <laughs> mm. So, I have to check that out still. So, but this yeah. um, credit suite is is pretty much just an encapsulation of different tracks throughout the short. The short's almost, mm. or I think it's a little over thirty minutes long. Um, so there's there's a ton of music to just you know pluck out, put in the credit suite, tweak it a little bit so it's got some you know originality. Um, yeah, I think the main difference with the credit suite and the um, the actual to picture tracks is there's a little bit less uh, synthesis. There's less electronic mm -hmm. sounds and it's a lot more organic. Okay. Um, I forget the creative choice for that, but it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last two pieces on there, uh, the full score for uh, my last short film that I got to direct with uh, OAF, which is the Orlando Independent Filmmakers Group in Orlando. Uh, it's a short horror film called Entrance. And it's basically just an idea that I had for this 1917 promoted uh, filmmaker challenge where they're like, we wanna see you make your best like one take short film. And I was like, how cool would it be if it was like a home invasion film, <laughs> but the invasion already happened and it's a seance and they're trying to bring this rebirth goddess back into, you know, dominion over the planet, you know, ah, this is really just, <laughs> that's really just like heavy and kind of silly idea, but you know, executed, right. It could be awesome. Mm -hmm. The one take idea did go through. It is a one take idea. And it develops a, towards a becoming towards it becoming a little smaller mm -hmm. than the initial idea, which I think worked in its favor. And this score is also co-composed with a guy named Ben Shepler, uh, who is a audio engineer, sound designer. You know, he's like a multi-tool of, of, of audio, um, but he really wants to start getting into film scoring too. So him and I are kind of like in a pact. We're like, we'll do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> We will work together. We're actually work, working together on a project right now, which is which has been a lot of fun too. Nice. Um, but this thing, Ben, the crazy guy that it is, that he is, that it is, that he is. Um, <laughs> I had this idea of this this cult that's doing this thing, 
causing all these supernatural problems. They are basically the last remnants of this like ancient, I guess, like commune or yeah, just cult. We'll say cult. I don't want to get too specific. That <laughs> <laughs> um, have this deep-seated like Babylonian faith. Okay. So there is this tablet. It's scripture, but it's like the one of the oldest creation myths in history. And I discovered this through a video game called Abzu. Um, a lot of that scores or um, lyrical um, choral work is derived directly from that. Austin Winery score is insane in that. I love it so much. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just love that idea of uh, taking a pre-existing historical lyric and having it tell another story in the background. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because as, as the game's going on, there's literally these voices telling the same story, but in like this just really connective emotional sense, and that mm -hmm. that that's what really sold it for me. I was like, man, that's really that's a really beautiful use of the lyric. What if there was a really evil use of the lyric? <laughs> <laughs> so, so talking with Ben, and he knocked that out of the park. He and nine other singers, um, he wrote and performed with them. Uh, basically, just the same treatment, uh, a, a creation story behind the scenes. Because mm -hmm. uh, these guys are just the cult's just trying to basically change the world order and just make it, make it new, make it how they want it, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was, that was a, a fun idea. And uh, he did that and <laughs> his wife sings in it and she goes from her lowest note up to an E6 on a continuous gliss. And there's no cuts in that wow. track. She just goes, up there and holds that note and you hear it in there like <laughs> whoo, he learned some other voices up in there but ooh, yeah you'll hear her <laughs> insane absolutely insane superhuman and uh yeah what he actually did that first and over all of that uh my friend jose who i talked about in meyer he did the marimba stuff he's a great he's a fantastic engineer and has a arsenal of amazing microphones. I asked him if uh, he could record myself and um, a previous collaborator and friend, Chad Hammer, who's a cellist, uh, who actually plays with Purcell a lot in uh, Long Bay Symphony in town and uh, record our uh, our strings a bit, mm -hmm. get some, some creepy spooky layers up in there. <laughs> so it was just him and I, and we both did maybe like six tracks just dubbing over each other uh playing mostly really quiet and then just you know gained up a little bit in the mix just to make it sound fuller we're all panned so we try to sound as big as possible and <laughs> that was probably my favorite thing that i've done yet <laughs> just because wow. it's it's like that's pretty much all that i love i love dense scores that have a lot of layers, a lot of things to just pick through mm -hmm. and absolutely just adore texture. So anytime that yeah. I get the chance where I can, I can fiddle around, I call the, my viola treatment, like, uh, uh, 
like, I don't know, like, like, a, like a honeybee. It sounds like there's a fly in your ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like a, over, over a decaying body. And it's just, it's unsettling. It's really creepy, but I had a blast <laughs> playing it. And it sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, so that was the treatment on that one. And uh, this score has actually been in my first win collectively as uh, film composers. Wonderful. Uh, the, the OIF, they do a anytime they do a challenge like this they usually have a celebration after where they do a um uh award ceremony and uh they get a great venue there's a screening um i believe the la- that screening was at was in uh disney springs the amc there and wow. it was awesome covid regulations up the wazoo of course mm-hmm. and you know everyone was everyone was masked up there were still drinks and things like that concessions because mm-hmm. the theater got to make money too and yeah. <laughs> um but that was a blast and yeah that was a shocker that night um <laughs> i'm sure but i was yeah no yeah we were so excited and i left i left the award with ben because i mean the work he did <laughs> taking babylonian and just you know turning it into something else you know we referenced the score from from abzu a lot um mm. just because you know trying f- trying to find transcriptions and i worked with his assistant a little bit, uh, Austin Winter's, uh Dallas Crane to try and uh, help us out with that because he's also really obsessed with uh, linguistics and uh, uh, cuneiform. I think that's how it's pronounced. Okay. Uh, the alphabet of it all um, to try and see what what's the easiest way to do this. And we found a lot of pages of taking those letters and what they what they mean because the language works different than a traditional alphabet. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, but yeah, he really deserved that. So I left that with him and his wife, who also, also in turn deserved that that gliss by itself. Holy crap! <laughs> Good. I stuff. could talk about that forever. Like, <laughs> if you need the job? Call me. I will convince you. <laughs> she's a she's a brilliant brilliant singer. Hi, listener. Hello. I'm Brian Edwards. And I'm Stephen Trigar. And we're the hosts of Cultured But Not Really, Unqualified Lessons in History and Pop Culture, a new show on the Alexandria Media Podcast Network. We're two hosts who think that we're pretty cultured. But in ways the other one isn't. In this show, each week we research a topic we find fascinating. And share it with each other, all while educating ourselves and, of course, you. Join us every episode to get cultured on topics like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vincent van Gogh, Imogen Heap, Cookies, and many more. So tune in every other Tuesday for our new show, Cultured But Not Really, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm already feeling a little bit cultured. Me too. It's a brand new year, and you know what that means. It's time for us to reflect upon the past year and to set new goals. If you're someone who sets New Year's resolutions and never sticks to them, make this year a year you stick to those resolutions, especially if one of them is to live a healthier lifestyle. 
If you're like me, I spent so much of 2020 stuck inside my apartment. I couldn't go to the gym, and most of the exercise I did was just walking around my neighborhood. What else could I do? I had no equipment, and at most I had a slight knowledge of minimal equipment exercising from my days in CrossFit, but even then those were a bit much. When I found Roy Belzer Fitness, that was when everything changed. Every weekday, I wake up with an email in my inbox containing a new workout video, and I can do that workout whenever my busy schedule allows. Better yet, in these videos, Roy does the workouts with us, so his words of encouragement mean all the more to me who is sweating up a storm. But Roy Belser Fitness isn't just a daily workout routine. It's a community, a shoulder to lean on, and a body-positive space where all are welcome and are free from judgment. Via a private Facebook community, every student gets to share their own journeys and encourage others to keep going. We all get to engage with each other every day, sharing sweaty selfies after workouts, nutrition tips and recipes, and posts that keep us accountable for one another. When you sign up for Roy's class, you not only get to join this incredible group of people to keep you accountable, you also get a free nutrition guide and the opportunity to win incredible prizes like free memberships and cash prizes. You can get back on your weight loss and fitness journeys right now when you sign up for Roy Belzer Fitness. Just go to RoyBelzerFitness.com slash sign up or click on the link in the show notes and use the code CRONPODCAST at checkout to get 10% off your first month of classes. Again, that's RoyBelzerFitness.com slash sign up and use the code CRONPODCAST at checkout for 10% off your first month. This new year, Let's stick to our New Year's resolutions together. Join me and a wonderful community of like-minded individuals living healthier lifestyles in a body-positive space with Roy Belzer Fitness. Now that you kind of broken down those pieces that uh, you're, we're going to be hearing on this episode, what was one of your favorites? Obviously, entrance was probably one of your favorites based off of you talking about it. it besides, <laughs> which one of those was one of your favorites to work on? Well, Michael's the director of two of these, uh, and I'm the director of entrance, so I feel like boots on the ground is going to be like... Okay. <laughs> no, Alia was a blast to work on. It's really, it's really tough <laughs> to make that decision. Um, I'm looking at them. I'm just like, which one of you do I like? <laughs> They're all my children. They really are. I think for a while, the the score for Meyer is how I worked, where it was mm. purely improvisational, and. The film that was right after that was a horror film called Aberration uh, with the same director. That uh, we had, it was the same exact process, but it was with a lot more people. Mm. We were just sending in layers, different things that we could use. And the score is like a Frankenstein of it all. 
But I think that Fallen Jedi might be my favorite score that I worked on mm. because it really it, it pushed a lot of moments where I'm just like, I needed to figure stuff out in terms of mixing and how to make it sound as real as possible. I mean, there's a great track in, in the rest of the score. Uh, that's the, that pretty much just narrates the main characters like first jump to light speed and uh, like discovering what that track sounds like and, you know, using timpani for the first time for, for, for that, that paunch <laughs> and big soaring brass, you know, there's, br there's brass everywhere in it, mm -hmm. but that, that track is probably the cleanest of the score. And I think like, that's, that's the one where I, re I really learned a lot. Um, and then also just trying to figure out melody in mm -hmm. that too. Uh, there's like, that's probably my most melodic score. Uh, I mean, it's one of the most, one of the more traditional before the spring rescore, that's probably my most, my most traditional thing ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Fallen Jedi, it answered a lot of questions for me. And yeah, that, that just ended up trailing me off into, into, you know, scores that I like today. Like after that was 2019, like after that, I started to really go back into certain composers that I, neglected to really appreciate and um you know john williams have always loved <laughs> but certain scores from other people like smaller scores i think that year I, I discovered chris rowe and he's one of my favorite composers ever he does a lot of really small um scores that sound big and that mm. was kind of that's kind of an approach that i take nowadays a lot yeah kind of discovered that from he <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I guess for those reasons of just, you know, self-discovery as a composer, just, you know, figuring things out. I was still in GarageBand at this point. Mm -hmm. um, like yeah, Meyer, Meyer, Fallen Jedi, and Alia were all written and composed and all that good stuff in GarageBand. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2020, the end of that year was when I made the switch to Logic. So Entrance was my first like official release with Logic and spring hmm. right after yeah so you have <laughs> mentioned and only because i don't really get a chance to talk to a lot of uh composers that have worked with other people before in terms of collaborations and and mm -hmm. uh and sometimes even composer duets uh duo sorry i'm such a musician <laughs> um <laughs> And, uh, but what is it like working on a score with somebody else? Is it easier? Is it harder? Or what is it really like? The first score that I co composed on was the score for the Alia short film. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, it started really rocky because of, of selfish reasons on my, on myself. Like I've only worked solo before and, mm -hmm. you know, Dalton who came up and is like, just really excited about working on the project. I'm just like, it's like, oh man, <laughs> it's like, I was so excited about doing these ideas that I had. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, in the end, Dalton really, without working with him, the film, the score probably wouldn't be half as good as it is, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a given you have two people working on it. It should be twice as good because we have, there's two brains on it. There's two, you know, backgrounds who are putting in their input and, um, 
I mean, Dalton, he's responsible for that main, for the main theme of that. Uh, the, the final track of, of that was pretty much the track before the credits, uh, which is called dancing with mother was, it's pretty much like the, the bow on top of that film where it's, it's, it's one of the more nicer tracks. It's piano with, um, uh, solo violin, but it's doubled up. So it's pretty much a duet, but it's one of the more nice tracks to listen to. Most of the score is pretty, pretty dark, uh, just because of the, the, uh, content of it all. But yeah, he was responsible for the main theme and that was, you know, sprinkled out throughout the entire thing in little bits and pieces. Uh, so it blooming at the end with the, with the full melody, mm-hmm. um, which was sung by our roommate at the time. We all lived in this like house. <laughs> uh, it was called the boots house and everyone in boots on the ground worked there, um, worked out of that house. Um, it was a really interesting, like, work and life kind of like split up into one little building and um our roommate Anna Ray Anna Ray Lutz she uh she went to a really great music school out of New York City I forget the name of it and uh she's a brilliant singer and she um on top of you know some sample voices that are in there including some like textural whispers and you know uh like breath sustains really experimental stuff she led that melody as like the voice of this mother character who's also kind of narrated about there's some visualizations of her where that tune comes in again just you know little little sprinklings but yeah i can't uh ignore dalton's really important part on that score and it's that's that's why it's like that's why it's as good as it is (laughs) (laughs) um and then entrance was probably the easiest that I had because working with Ben prior, uh, I worked with him mainly as a sound engineer. He did a lot of the audio recording for uh, my short films, including entrance. He was also the audio engineer on that uh, for production sound. And uh, we just hit it off. We were you know, cracking jokes at each other all the time. We just really got along. And, uh, you know, he had this, excuse me, he had this job at a place called, uh, uh, what was it? It was like a Bible theme park (laughs) in Orlando. It was great. We would pass it all the time and we're just like, wow, look at that place. (laughs) What's it called? I want to say it's called like Bible land or something like that, but I don't think that's right at all. Um, But he worked there. He was like the guy for audiovisual stuff there. He he wrote their music. Like he was, he was in there and he was working. Um, wow. But with COVID and all that, it, that unfortunately kind of fell apart. And I, I'm not sure if that park still exists, but um, he ended up not having that that job anymore. So um, he found a lot of free time and he was trying to you know shuffle a bunch of these uh, freelance jobs where he's trying to do his best in the midst of COVID to you know still make money and uh, asked him if he was interested in, in, in working on entrance just to kind of like escape the uh irritants and he was he was he was very down he, he he's always wanted to work on a film score and um he had i mean he's done that kind of stuff before for stage and live performance but i think that may have been his first his first uh film score but he was a, he was a blast to work with it was super easy i mean 
it was organized in a way where one person would do uh, like, he was pretty much like the initial composer of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was the director. I, I, I was editing it. Meanwhile, so I was sending him drafts and if there was any update, it would be, you know, just a little hair trim off of a cut. Um, <laughs> and he, I guess in turn needed the most time with, you know, transcription and it was a different language and all that. He did a lot of levy, heavy lifting. Um, and once that was done and he had some drafts out of that, uh, which he wrote, he, he sung most of the, the temp lines himself, same with his, his wife before we got to got on set and actually start with the music was actually was starting to be written before we even shot the thing. That's oh, wow. something I should actually point out. Yeah. We had this, we had just developing the idea of what, what it sounds like before actually getting there. And because some of the, the cult people needed to sing it in person too. Mm. Once we get, once we get in this house, their lyric is, is the ritual that's going on. Mm. Well, wow, these are really important details about the music, Brooks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was like a bridging between, world sound like really like diegetic sound that you know these people are doing this incantation to make things go bad but good in their favor <laughs> um so uh yeah it was worked on before once edits are starting to go out then it was laid into picture and then that started to develop and i was writing the string lines meanwhile okay yeah that's how that <laughs> went <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last one. Right now I'm on a few scoring projects, one specifically with OIF that's very different than anything else I've done. It's a it's a Viking style short film and it's really, really cool. It's a lot of fun. Mm. There's Ben is actually on it as well. And there's a third composer, uh Kathleen Enriquez, I believe that's her name. I hope it did not get that wrong. She's also a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just we were on a Zoom call last night, and we were trying to we were we were we were um, spotting the the rough cut. Um, and there's three of us, and we're trying to get the system figured out where we could work under the same file, just have it be um, shared in a Google Drive that I set up for them, where we can get drafts out weekly or or such, and have uh, print tracks of of things that they've worked on. We have you know the the different uh, ins and outs figured out. And that's where we are now. So it's been pretty smooth. Uh, it's going to quickly become where most of my scores are, are uh, collaborative, which is definitely an interesting avenue that I wasn't anticipating to be like in love with. You know, like starting out in Ollie, I was just like, oh, I have to work with someone. This is going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. And I'm still working with people. And it's, you know, it's, it's making beautiful music for for film and, and yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that. Um, Cause the first time I ever worked with other people was um, and outside of that was with uh, uh, and, and Meyer and Aberration. There was like a, you know, little recording sessions where, you know, I had, I'd have friends come in and we would just make freaky sounds and then, yeah, you know, cut, cut mm-hmm. and paste the little pieces into the score and Frankenstein it together. That was the only other time that I actually like, you know, worked with people. Yeah. Alia kind of started that trend. <laughs> trying to think like, cause there's, there's Reznor and Ross or yeah, Reznor and Ross, uh, who are pretty much leading the, uh, Oscars right now for best original score. Um, 
because it was it was them for for Mank, the Fincher film, which I love the score of. Um, it's just like you know, it goes straight back to like the uh, '30s to '50s style, like they're all in the same room it's you know big amphitheater style orchestra there's there's a sax section <laughs> you know it's really old school and it's wow it's, it's a beautiful score it's it, you know no one would really i didn't anticipate that kind of score from them you know nine inch nails writing a a beautiful classic style <laughs> film score oh yeah definitely not not anticipating i didn't anticipate that um mm. and also did soul which i mm. love the score too there was a third person in there for the jazz element of it. His name escapes me. But if I were to pick either of those, I think Soul was either I think Soul was definitely the the one where I can tell, you know, whoever had the what background to it for, for mm -hmm. whichever part. I think Re uh, Reznor and Ross, they had uh they'd found something really interesting and beautiful for the main background and narrative arc of, of soul but then um that third player for for the jazz elements you know they brought in again something even more resonant for mm. whenever that was needed um that's the that's the, the most recent example that i could think of like a big big score for for me where i'm like them cooks are cooking in the kitchen they really done made something right. good <laughs> <laughs> And only because I must ask every episode, uh, who are some composers that you emulate? Woo! Oh, God! <laughs> who are they? Um, for for the, like the larger orchestral sounds, I'm I'm always directly inspired by John Powell. I cannot not listen to his Dragon scores. <laughs> Two and three, they are like. They're, they're probably some of my favorite music ever written. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could like I could talk about talk about that music for days. I actually have the the book you just released of the full film score. Nice. Um, of Omni Music Publishing. Oh my god, that book's amazing. I use that <laughs> book a lot actually for for the spring rescore just to see if there's anything different I could do with the or, with the orchestration. Um, nice. So there's Powell. Uh, recently, actually, very recently, with uh, his score for The Pathless, you know who I'm going to. Oh, I know. Awesome Wintry. <laughs> I am very much like, I love how that score was approached. The, mm -hmm. the, the smaller instrumentation with just numbers upon numbers of soloists and just having the orchestra be in the background when necessary. Mm. <laughs> like, when that idea was first just like dropped on me, I was like, I was like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. And I all had a similar approach with call to the call of the wild. I think that was the name of that film with Harrison Ford, where it's mm -hmm. just, you have your hype band and then the orchestra comes in whenever it's needed. <laughs> yeah. For the bigger moments. Um, which I think that's exactly where modern film score is going to go. Like that's the next trend where, you know, smaller instrumentation, then big sound when necessary. Mm -hmm. um, so Powell, Wintry. Um, I, I do find myself referring a lot to Christopher Young, uh, his horror scores. Most recently, mm -hmm. The Empty Man. I absolutely love the last two tracks of that score. 
Um, I think that was a, a, a co-composer thing, but Christopher Young did the majority of that score. I forget who the second person was. It, was, it wasn't a name, it was more like a alias style name. I think that's why I can't, it's hard for me to remember it. Oh, kind of like okay. Mogwai, like Mogwai and those kind of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'd say Powell Wintery Young. I think that's it in terms of like influencing or, you know, borrowing, inspiring ideas. Because most of what I do listen to, I mean, I, I call myself a, like a freaking sponge because most of what I know was, you know, <laughs> I saw somewhere else and it just did, it did not leave yeah. me. Mm. And, emulating <laughs> that's that's pretty yeah. much the gist of how i work in any capacity it's actually funny that you mentioned john powell because uh right now so the this episode's coming out in the third week of april uh but in the mm-hmm. first week of april we had ben morales frost who talked about his own film scores and uh and uh the use of melody and he mm-hmm. mentioned John Powell frequently, uh, and mm. and and the How to Train Your Dragon scores, uh, just because of uh, the the incredible use of melody in those. So it's it, it's funny that you uh, that you mentioned that. It's uh, it seems to be a a month of John Powell on this podcast. <laughs> Every month is John Powell month. I <laughs> I just need to meet that man, shake his hand, and then I can die. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so young. Life is complete. <laughs> done and done. Done and done. Yep. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Anything that you want to share before we uh we start wrapping up here? <laughs> yeah. I've always been so deep into like like film scores and all that. I'm really also trying to nudge my way into uh, into video games because I think that process is so so interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems to be hand in hand with film scores, but you know, there's a whole other element to it. Programming, working with a bunch of different people <laughs> who have yeah. you know direct correlation with your job. It's you know trying to get up in there too. So if anyone's listening <laughs> that has a video game, it's a composer. Listen to my music and see if I fit it. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> I guess that's, that's really it because yeah, I've been saying I'm like I'm an aspiring film and video game composer, and I'm just like, but I have no video game experience. <laughs> so that's <laughs> you just gotta make it for yourself. You gotta you gotta design your own video game so that you can make the music to it, and then you can say that. But that sounds like <laughs> a lot of work just to say that you wrote a film, a video game score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you have anything that you want to plug or you're currently working on that you want people to know about? Uh, I mean, like nothing, there's nothing like huge where I'm just like, oh, here, take this, put this in your face and eat it. It's good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, working on a few small things, there's the Viking project and a few other things. Those are, those are with OIF. Um, nothing else really comes to mind. Uh, my socials, it's my name. <laughs> Insta- uh, Twitter is Brooks underscore Libby and Instagram is Brooks Libby. You can see some of my film stuff on there as well. Um, Twitter, I'm more active in the composer circle and Instagram is a little bit more towards my visual stuff, but there is, there, there is some, some music bits up in there as well. 
um, and my SoundCloud <laughs> is also my name. So that there nice. you can and hear all more of stuff. The nice yeah and all of those links will be in the show notes of the episode so go and check those out do it <laughs> well thank you so much brooks for coming on the show today i really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me thank you for asking me to come on this is this was also a surprise so yeah. i'm honored to be part of part of your series and part of your show and i'm glad we met this is awesome yes me too this episode of the Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Trigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. Find Brooks on social media and listen to more of his music via the links found in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Music used in this episode was graciously supplied by Brooks Libby. You can find the Composer Chronicles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cron Podcast. When you follow the show on any of those platforms, you'll be kept up to date on all of the latest news, sometimes before it even makes it onto the show. Next week, originally Beethoven dedicated his Symphony No. 3 to his personal hero, a man who would soon instigate his own demise when he crowned himself emperor. And now, here is two wrongs from the film Meyer, the unused track, The Fallen Jedi, from the Star Wars fan film, Trial of the Fallen Jedi, the credit suite from Alia, and a mix from his own film score for the short film entrance by Brooks Leiby.
Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.